Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer from Vancouver, Canada, with over two decades experience serving individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world in the field of art, music, activism, health, education, spirituality, and more to talk about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Voice for Love. This is Surya, and I'm super excited to bring to you my special guest today, Tara Plass. Tara is a better known as the Trash Magic Mom, and she's a certified existential kink coach. Welcome, Tara. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, just a little bit of background. We've known each other for what more than 20 years. Ooh. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, good 20 plus. Yeah. How yeah, old we, was when you when you met me? That's my gauge. I think he was probably what one and a half. He's going to turn twenty three in April. I think I knew you when you were pregnant with him. Actually, I think <sighs> I remember. So this was in another life for yes. both of us, where we both worked in the hair industry. Right, because you would come to South Granville sometimes too. Yeah, I, I always think of you more in the First Avenue location. But yeah, we totally met before that at Granville. That's right. We were so we so we go way back, and so we have lots of we have lots of different crossover in different areas. But um, the reason why I wanted to bring her on today is because she has some really special medicine around working with the shadow and really looking thing at things in a very unique way. So I really look forward to this uh, conversation. So can you tell us a little bit about what is an existential kink coach and what is that all about? Okay, well, existential kink is really a great conversation starter, first of all, because uh, it's like sounds interesting. But what it really points to is um, being able to get off on those everyday annoyances that you um, try and pretend you don't like and you have nothing to do with. But if you keep on running into the same problems again and again... <laughs> you're definitely you definitely are making same choices to get you to the same place again and again and there's reasons for that so existential kink takes you through a process of uh, finding the pleasure that you uh, have in that whether it's just you know feeling like you can't do anything about it uh, being the victim can be fun right being the martyr can be fun oh poor me poor me is such a wonderful Oh, you know what I mean? Um, so we get to, yeah, get off on those things. Uh, in existence. Oh, existence. I get it. Okay, I love this because this is like, you know, because we talk about, this is almost like a next level of like, not just accepting those parts of yourself, not just loving those parts of yourself, but actually sort of getting off on it at the same time. So yeah. could you give, um, I'm sure this is probably very new for a lot of the people that are listening here. So could you give us an example of, you know, just maybe an example of what this looks like, or maybe a little exercise that you could work with or people could start working with to do this? Okay. 
Well, why don't you tell me what some little uh, thing that is bugging you that you keep coming up against in your life? Um, okay, let me think. So what is one of the things that keeps bugging me? Uh, I guess it is sort of that um, I lose faith. That's funny. I just got off a, a call with a client and we were talking about this. We had a similar pattern. And so for me, sometimes with some things, I'm like filled with faith. It's like a strong starter, you know, like the first like 50, 60% of the way. And then at some point I lose the plot, I lose all hope. And then, you know, things can fall apart. And I sort of see it as like a self-sabotage type of thing. But all it is when I break it down, and it was the same for my client too, is like, I think a lot of people probably do this too. I don't see that faith all the way through to 100%. And the thing about faith is that it requires us to have it even when we don't see what we want happening. So yeah, is that, is that a, can we work with that? Yes. Um, so there's a couple of things that I would do with that. And that would be looking at, um, is there something that you're scared of if you see your faith 100% of the way through? There's probably lots of things that you're actually scared oh, yeah. of. Oh, I had that revelation a long time ago. It's like that, you know, that saying, it's like, it's not our darkness that we're afraid of. It's our light. It's kind of that thing. I think I've done a pretty good job of minimizing myself for most of my life, you know, like trying to, because I've heard that thing over and over again, like many people have like, you're too much, you're too much, you're too much. Cause I'm kind of, you know, intense and hyper and all the things and a powerful woman at that. Right. And so heaven forbid, powerful women don't always roll too well in this world. So I think because of that and, and, and some other things as well, I really, really have always tried to minimize myself, but in minimizing myself, I don't always realize my full potential. And then that, that also would come with a lot of, you know, sadness. And when you can see in some way that you're doing it to yourself, that's almost even worse. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. man, then you, like you said, the victim thing is a big one too. I had a big realization around that too. I managed to excavate. It's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, there's all these different parts of myself. Cause there's some parts of myself I feel that have really ultimate faith and then other parts or there's other areas where for whatever reason I can still fall short or maybe give up, you know, kind of giving up before the miracle happens right yeah yeah because you fear that miracle happening happening you fear getting what you want really um so there's that aspect but uh where does the pleasure come in then in avoiding those things right like i mean already isn't there some of a pleasure in avoiding all those things that you fear right for one thing it's like I don't have to be, I don't have to be the superhero of my life or whatever. Right. Like, Oh, absolutely. I had a, I just did a session with somebody about that. And when I, when whatever, what resistance comes up in me when I'm about to make a big shift into something, it feels so terrible and awful and like horrible that it's actually more comfortable or it has been more comfortable for me to just like step back into like, you know, I'm just going to chill here. Like I'm happy. I'm content. You know, I'm comfortable because I, I kind of play games with myself in my head all the time. So I can make a good situation almost out of anything because I've trained myself that way because yeah. in every bad situation I'm in, I know how to make it good. But that's just one level of doing things. That's not necessarily a thriving mindset, right? Because it's right. just like a, there's a lot of energy that's just being, it's like you're putting up with or you're accepting. It's not bad. It's not to say that it's, it's bad, but it's also not the best that it could be either, right? It's there's not- There's a lot of flow to it, but it's not, yeah, it's not driven. Yes. 
Yeah, so that doesn't have your desire and passion behind it, but it is a good flow, right? It does show that you're adaptable and you can go with the flow. Mm-hmm. So can you see though, at that, like in that moment where you're feeling like, ah, I can't, um, fear and excitement are really not that different, right? Mm-hmm. They don't feel very different. And so that is sort of where you could start getting off on that sensation. Is <laughs> like, oh, actually. It's kind okay, of just to clarify for myself and everybody, when we're talking about getting off, are we literally, is this meant to turn into like a pleasuring practice? It could. It could. That, it could. It does. It does that. It, so here's a trick, actually. So like, if you can't find any pleasure, you know, it's for, it can be really hard. No, I don't like anything about this situation. I don't like feeling out of control. I don't, you know, whatever. I don't like it. I don't like it. When you're stuck in that mindset, like grabbing a vibrator or however you like to pleasure yourself and literally bringing a good physical sensation to that thought is, um, a very good way to do it. And it totally does work that way. Um, Like I'd have to say though, sometimes when you're working with those, it's not like you're going to fully get off, but at least you're bringing some pleasurable sensation to a thought that you think has no pleasure to it. And basically what you're trying to do for yourself with that is fulfill that kink without the awful sensation or without thinking it's so terrible because really what you came to earth your purpose on earth above anything else is experience just being here right we the physical experience is something that energy on its own doesn't get to you know like without without time and um sensation from your physical body what is what is experience us as our spiritual selves don't get to have all of this right we come here for this experience to evolve our energy in some way i can't you know i can't see any other explanation for it really and so trying to escape those physical sensations is like missing out on the point of life um so it's really you know a matter of finding how you are looking for that, you know, you're looking to fulfill certain experiences. You're looking to fulfill certain sensations. And once you do it in a conscious way, often it changes. Mm -hmm. That's so one of the practices I've worked with for a long time, which has helped me a lot was because I used to try to run away from all of my negative feelings. And actually most of my life, I was completely overwhelmed by these awful, awful feelings and thoughts that I, I, I didn't know what to do with them. They were, you know, I was very much, you know, depressed, maybe could have even been classified as other things at different points during my life. And what's really helped me was first of all, learning that I was empathic and I was picking up on other people's stuff and that all of it wasn't mine. That was very helpful. But then what I also learned to do is instead of running away from those feelings, I sit with them and I breathe into them and I really allow myself to experience those feelings. And in the experience of them, actually what happens, it's almost like the energy goes in there and it kind of magnifies it and then it kind of dissolves and it dissipates. And then I'm like, oh, like I don't have to be afraid of that thought anymore or I don't have to be afraid of that feeling because I used to, I used to live in terror. Like I would wake up in the morning and I would be like, 
oh no, there's that feeling again. Oh no, it's going to be there all day. Oh no, oh no, oh no. And it would just go on and on and on and on. So it was, um, so is that, is that a practice, something like that, that you work with as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, there's so many different practices and basically what you're doing is just transmuting energy. And that's that physical experience that I was talking about. We just come here to transmute energy, you know, um, and we're processing it with our physical bodies. And part of it is just feeling those sensations like, wow. And just, isn't it a miracle? We were talking before about miracles. Isn't it a miracle that we can feel things? Yeah, it really is. What else can feel things, you know, like besides living things? Like, isn't that what, whenever you watch movies about immortals, they are often trying to get mortality back. Right. If they don't have feelings, any, any, any character in a story that doesn't have feelings, that's not a good thing. Yeah, They'd rather be able to feel pain than not be able to feel at all, right? That's the whole point. You know what? It's, um, the story that's coming to mind when you're saying that is, I don't know, do you remember that band In Excess, Michael Hutchins? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I met him. Oh, you, you met him? Oh, cool, yeah. <laughs> they, they're awesome, of course, but I believe he took his own life, did he not? Yeah. But one of the reasons was because right before he took his life, he had some kind of an accident where he lost his ability to, I believe, taste and smell. And that was so traumatic to him that that's what made him not want to live anymore, that he couldn't experience and have these feelings the way that he, he used to. So that's very, that's a very, like, a very tragic example. But, you know, it is. And then, and then what I thought, too, is, you know, like in Buddhism, they talk about sentient beings, <laughs> And that's like literally what that means. Like sentient means the ability to feel, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sentience is, and that's, you know, like animals have some sentience. And so that's, you know, that's why we feel such connection to them. And then, you know, does the earth earth have some sentience? I think so, right? (laughs) Like the whole... Oh, yeah, she does. does. (laughs) Yeah, to me, I feel like the whole universe is like God's body. And we are like you know, so when you think of a whole universe as one body that makes us like tinier than little cells and, and pretty insignificant, but also pretty significant, right? Like, you know, the Milky Way, is that like God's liver? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) When you said that, I was like, oh gosh, so if the universe is God's body, then what is earth? And like, if we're the arm, we're a broken arm right now. We're we're not even that big though. Think of us. We are just like a tiny little, no, just it's one little cell. Like even the whole earth, it could only, it couldn't be more than one cell. I think more like an atom even, you know what I mean? Like so minuscule, um, really in relation to all of God's body. But then at the same time, I think that, you know, just like your liver could call out for help, maybe we could call out for help too. And that's how we get God's attention. Does God care think about us all the time? Not so much, just, a, you know, <laughs> but if, if a God's liver is acting up, maybe he takes some milk thistle or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, I was in India once at my one of my spiritual teacher's places and one of her swamis gave this talk that I'll never forget. And I can't put it into words exactly, but he basically said that. He's like, you know, there's a million universes, a billion solar systems, a billion galaxies, a billion planets. Like, then there's Earth, then there's your country, then there's your town, then there's your home. How important is your ego, really? You know? But this is the thing. We are like a microcosm of this. It's the divine paradox, right? We're everything and we're like nothing all at the same time. 
and we know that energy can't be created or destroyed. So literally all the energy in us has to come from somewhere. We have to be ancient and eternal at the same time, just science wise, right? Like, I don't know if our energy sticks together or disperses or whatever. And you know, like what happens to the energy that's moved through us. And I mean, I heard us described as like energy vortexes once. I also liked that sort of like, if we are all in energy soup, then any sort of solid looking thing is sort of like an energy vortex that's maintaining its shape. And in an energy soup, that's actually pretty impressive to be able to maintain shape. Well, no, we are like vortexes because I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced this, you know, one person who, you know, there could be a group of people in a room and one person comes in who's either maybe in a really great mood or a really terrible mood or is in a completely different space than everyone else. And it will affect everyone, especially if that person has a strong vortex. They use that word vortex mm-hmm. a lot in like the law of attraction training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's very much true. You know, we do, we have, we do affect everything around us, like not just ourselves, especially the more powerful it is. But I'd love mm-hmm. to touch on again to what you mentioned. Um, you said like fear and excitement are like the same energy. And it reminded me of, I took this course many years ago and it was about biokinetics. And he explained the same thing that like, for example, laughing and crying are also the same. They're, if you think about it, it's the same thing. When you're really laughing, your body's shaking, your diaphragm is moving. You laugh until you cry. Yeah, and so he, he had us do these exercises where we would like do different movements and then we would go from laughing to crying, crying to laughing. So it's really interesting that whenever there's a really strong energy of any kind that's present, its opposite is also possible at the, at the same time, right? Exactly. It's two sides of the same coin. You can't take the coin apart and you can't just throw away half of the coin. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. And what about if, you know, I, I sort of discounted the idea of hell so long ago because it was like eternal torture would get boring. You know what I mean? And eternal pleasure would get boring. So I guess I discounted heaven also. And I just sort of thought like any, either of those experiences is possible in any moment. And so we kind of, you know, get to choose our own adventure here. You know, like people have existed in worse circumstances and been happy in life. So we know that it's possible. Um, So, And were they only happy? No, that's not the point. So there's that. I think that's the biggest fallacy in the spiritual community right now is the whole like idea that the follow your bliss. There's nothing wrong with following your bliss and it's absolutely key. However, thinking that that means there's not going to be anything but bliss forever is ridiculous, right? People are still going to die and thinking that people dying is blissful well I mean there is truth to that of course but there's also grief (laughs) you can't find your bliss before you like by bypassing your grief and there's the other the spiritual bypass is the I don't want to fear keep your negative vibes away from me oh so no sadness allowed cool yeah that sounds like a really healthy way to exist well the thing is that that has just been marketed and sort of promoted and really told to so many people and it and it feels really appealing at first right because it's like oh what I could reach the space where I never get angry again or I never feel sad or nothing bad ever happens like that's great that 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 happened to me once like like I tried it for like 11 years (laughs) 
I was like trying to let go of all those, you know, first you're like, oh, I just have to think positive. And then you're like, hmm, it's not working quite as well. Like it works to a certain extent, right? And obviously getting most of the negative thoughts out of your head is a really good thing. Just being aware of them actually is better. And just like, hmm, oh, that's an interesting thing that I'm thinking there. Where did that come from? Being curious about it as opposed to like, I am perfect. I am getting better and better. Like, great. Tell yourself you're getting better and better all the time, but don't like ignore every, if you have a repetitive negative thought that comes into your head, just telling it to go away doesn't do the trick. It's trying to tell you something. There's a message to be heard there. If you don't listen that way, it's going to come out sideways in, in an explosion. Uh, it's not going to be pretty when it comes out. And uh, that actually brings me to the whole collective shadow, which is what we're experiencing now is like, this is our suppressed crap coming out sideways. <laughs> right? Oh, absolutely. And it's and like, it's just rearing its ugly head for everyone to see. And it sort of, it needs to be seen so people can judge it and say, oh, this is so terrible. And some people are like, oh, this is shocking. And it's like, no, it's not shocking at all. Like, this is what's there this is what's happening it's just come it is so in everybody's face right now that you know we can't ignore it and specifically in in america a lot of it you know which is even though we're not american we're canadian right but it's like the whole world right now i was thinking about this last night because i'm like why is the whole world just obsessed with american politics you know you know not not obsessed but people around the world are watching but i feel like america right now is really playing this role to really show everyone this absolute extreme of what's going on everywhere but it's really extreme the corruption the lies the racism like all of it is just like and I don't think it's over yet. I think it's, you know, I think there's more to come. Yeah, it's not, it's not over yet. Uh, yeah, racism isn't done. Oppression <laughs> isn't done. Um, and I mean, there totally is that, you know, factor of those, those billionaire, um, there's, you know, there is some truth to the conspiracy theories and that's what becomes so tempting about them, right? We are all oppressed. And I believe that there's some evidence and I don't, I'm, I would have to look back into where these, um, the article that I was reading about this in specific that was more referenced than I am, um, that they brought in that word white privilege to uh, stoke more division as opposed to the word anti-racism where we can all be united against that discrimination that is true and absolutely a thing, but can you really call it a privilege to be less oppressed? That's like, like, oh, that prisoner over there gets more yard time. He's privileged. Well, is he really privileged as a prisoner or is he still a fucking prisoner? You know, being treated as a, treated better as a prisoner is, is that what our ultimate goal is? And oh, the other part of that is that um, the word privilege makes the white people feel like it's something that's going to be taken away from them. Right, which is so many, why so many people react to it, period. Because it is, yeah, it's interesting. The languaging piece is very interesting. And it's like, even every time I talk about 
white supremacy, it has to be spoken about. And yet those words, every time we utter those words, it's almost like reaffirming that truth of that somehow white is supreme to everything else, which it's, it's not like nothing is. We're all one race. We're all human beings. We're all, you know, and it's, it's really, it's both, right? It's like on the The demonization of, of black as opposed to white and anything darker as opposed to anything lighter. And that's, that's all related to the shadow work as well, right? Your shadow is dark. That's all the stuff we suppress and we don't admit and we put away. Whereas the light has always been the good. White has always been associated with good. And the dark stuff is also the feminine stuff, right? So this all goes, you know, it's all tied into it, like suppression of women as well. So it's, yeah, that whole, the whole white supremacy is not just about color of our skin. It's about, it relates to so many more things than that as well. It's just really the high level. That was my big aha moment in the past few years was I've been very aware of the corruption on the planet since I was a small child and had this very intuitive feeling that something was wrong, but I didn't really piece all the picture, the pieces together about the white supremacy piece until more recently. And I thought about that and I'm like, well, probably it's because, you know, I enjoy the, the privilege of not having to think about that. Whereas mm-hmm. somebody who has lived their whole life in, you know, having to be very conscious about where they go and what they do because of the color of their skin, that's going to be more obvious, which is why we have to listen to those people. And actually, if you do listen to those, to, to other, you know, people, non-white people, you'll see that they're actually always, almost always on the cutting edge of everything from music to spirituality, from intuitive, the intuitive capabilities there are just like, if you watch everybody, right? Like, it's very interesting. Like I have a feeling whatever happens, happens next in America, there's a bunch of white people that are going to say, wow, it's shocking. And meanwhile, all the black and BIPOC people are going to be like, yeah, we told you. Like, nah, it's not shocking at all. Like, not, like, not shocking. So it's very, it's, it's very interesting. And I hope that we can, I just hope that more people will start to, to, to wake up to this because it's just, um, we, we, these people got to go. But, you know, astrologically and everything, the, the patriarchy is over. And I do believe that we're in a shift of, you know, here to make big changes around that. So I hope that we see that sooner than later. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, sort of shift. I don't know, though, like the feminine and the darkness and the blackness have been demonized for so long. How? Uh, this does seem, though, like an like a epic final battle scene, though. Right. Like, I don't know how long it's going to play out for exactly, but it is does feel like these are the death throes of that patriarchy. And I, I mean, ultimately, I feel like we I don't know how we're going to get rid of this whole governmental system as short of an actual apocalypse. But I, so I feel like the actual answer is more in uh we just the government's in the business of running the country. Right. They're not actually in business of taking care of people and how could they possibly meet such a diverse crowd's needs individually so that i think is up to us we need to organize to take care of us between us and make the government obsolete in that department we'll let them build the roads and whatever do the business deals um, but we can take care of ourselves better yeah and i think that's key i i you know, I channel little messages. Sometimes I'll ask spirit a question and then I'll write things. And sometimes what comes out isn't even what I was asking about, but a little message that I um, channeled recently, spirit said, you know, these people appear to be world leaders, 
but it's actually a delusion because all change happens on the community level. So people really need to get back to their communities and work on that level because that's where the change happens. And that's where people know what their individual needs are, right? Like somebody in Vancouver might not have the same needs as somebody up in, you know, Whitehorse or in the, you know, Nunavut or something like that. These are very yeah. diverse needs of diverse, of very different groups of people. So that's really where right. the power is, is us gathering together on a more local level and starting to enact change from there because even yeah that, and that's a part of it is that we've given up so much control to these sort of overarching ruling entities when like what are they actually doing you know we'll never meet these we're, people we'll never talk to them you know yeah we're expecting a little bit much out of our government really and um when we don't even know how to take care of ourselves but we think that they're going to do it for us that seems like uh irresponsible on our part i guess um that's a very good point that's a very yeah. good people do this in relationships all the time. You know, they get into a relationship and they expect the other person to give them all these things that they don't have or that they need. But the key is to always learn to give those things to yourself first. And then if somebody yeah. else comes along and gives it to you, that's just a bonus, you know, yeah. but, and then, and then by the way, energy works, when you give those things to yourself, chances are you're actually going to attract or meet somebody that has, then you have two, you know, whole individuals together instead of two people looking to meet each other's needs in a way that they may not be able to. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, how are they supposed to know your needs if you don't even know them and how are they supposed to meet your needs if you can't even meet them? Like it seems, yeah, our expectations of each other are a little bit ridiculous. Well, that's from Hollywood though. That's all like, I, I work with a lot of clients around relationship stuff and I'm just like, we got to ditch these fairy tales that we've been told because again, it's the same. It's like this fairy tale if we think, oh, we're going to meet somebody and fall in love oh. and live happily ever after. And it just doesn't always work that way. You know, I don't, you know what though? I feel like that's actually not true it's that people are ignoring all of the part where the in the story where the hero hero or heroine meets their own shadow integrates it and then they fucking fall in love oh good point and it doesn't say that they're living happily ever after they just end the story at that part because it's a good place to end story right <laughs> that's a good point though we do see a lot of people overcoming their shadows I say that to people all the time too you know it's like and again this is kind of like a game you can play with yourself to help yourself get through tough times when you're going through something tough remember like you're on a mission no hero ever has an easy path to get what they want you know there's right. going to be ups and downs and this is another toxic piece of the law of attraction world right is they're like oh it gets to be easy everything's easy all the time sometimes it is I've had miraculous things that just like woo 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 snap my finger like that other things oh no they were hard I had to push my way kicking and screaming through them and they turned out incredible so that particular story in my life has been debunked many times and in fact some of our life work especially we may have to go through incredible trials to get to the juice of that and what we gather along the way the tools are actually what we need for the mission too right right Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Saying it's easy. Well, certain things are easy and certain things are hard, right? <laughs> like, and it, that's part of evolution too, right? You come up against new problems every time you evolve, you come up against new problems. And that's what's happening in society as well, right? Like we just coming up against new problems. Like, okay, we feel like 
some people feel like, oh, well, we fixed racism. Well, we didn't fix racism. We started to fix racism, but it didn't really get that far. We could just sort of swept it under the rug and now it's time to clean out. You know, like we all do it. We all stuff our shit in the closet and then every once in a while it all falls out of the closet and you actually have to do something about it rather than just stuff it back in the closet, right? <laughs> uh, as as uh, above, so below, as within, so without, etc. <laughs> it's all, you know, it seems like a ridiculous comparison, but it's not. It's all the same. <laughs> cleaning your oh. closet and fucking cleaning your psyche. And oh, it's everything. it relates. Oh, that's why any feng shui practitioner, I mean, I've, I've always done this. I find that whenever I clean things and I'm quite mm. I get a little bit obsessive, like periodically, like throughout the year of really mm. always getting rid of things I don't need and cleaning out the closet, because I know that it usually comes with, it's very symbolic if you have yeah. a lot of stuff. So, which is interesting because this brings me to trash magic now. So <laughs> tell me what, what is trash magic? <laughs> tell me about this. Trash magic. Well, okay. So trash is, um, mostly really referring to that stuff that you're trying to throw away of yourself, those parts of yourself you're trying to throw away. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so it's like spiritual ups or emotional upcycling of, of your <laughs> garbage, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically finding the diamonds in your, in your trash. Um, so that's, and magic, I mean, I use magic, like, magic like cast spells and I have a wand and I love crystals I like saying abracadabra instead of bless you after someone sneezes (laughs) I would love for you to share a little bit more about this because again this is another word that has been very heavily loaded and heavily projected upon which is this word witch you know and some people especially like you know Christians will demonize this word witch but I you know I had a phase of my life where I was really into too and what I understand I'd, I'd like you to explain it actually to everyone well, I'd love you to should tell those it. Christians that they should stop spelling. Yeah. Everybody does magic. It's just, um, you know, a witch is sort of consciously aware of it. Uh, you, like when you're spelling, you are doing magic. You are literally bringing an idea into the physical realm. You're turning something that was just not there into something that is that other people can see, right? Mm-hmm. That's magic. Um. You do it all the time. That's the law of attraction. That's magic. You do literally attract like things to yourself, et cetera. Um, Where I think you might call yourself a witch or a magician or whatever, or say you're doing magic is when you are conscious of asking whoever you, maybe you like, I currently I'm working with Jupiter. So I'm asking Jupiter for things. Jupiter has a jovial influence. Jove is another name for Jupiter. Um, and he's expansive. He's kind of like a big daddy, sugar daddy kind of, um, regal, a king energy. Um, so I, do things that I think that a figure like that would like. And then I, it's basically aligning yourself with an archetypal energy to bring more of that kind of stuff to you. Um, Studying does the same thing. When you're learning, you do the same thing, right? When you 
immerse yourself into a subject, it brings more of that subject to you. That's, that's magic also. But um, so in my case, if I'm asking Jupiter, I'll ask him for something specific. And then I will observe what happens after that. And I will take actions on those little synchronicities, right? That doesn't mean that, oh, Jupiter is just going to serve stuff up to me. Like, for instance, after I started working with Jupiter, um, you reached out to me and said, oh, I would like to get that uh, podcast recorded that we've been talking about. So Ju uh, Jupiter is an expansive influence. So that means I'm expanding my influence and look at me on a podcast talking to you right now, right? So that to me is part of that magic. This is magic that this is happening right now. It's something I actually asked for. And you could like write it off and say, well, you, we talked about this a long time ago and blah, blah, whatever. But that's where the magic comes in is when you act on things. So, you know, I had to say, remind you, okay, how about next week or whatever to get it happening faster? That doesn't mean that you just get hand, things handed to you. That's not what magic is about. It's just about aligning yourself and noticing what comes to you when you focus on the thing that you want and responding to those. And then if you're not getting what you want or you're getting the opposite of what you want, that's when you know you have internal work to do because you're saying that you want something, but you don't really want it, right? That's where you're going to run into that feeling that you're saying that when you're not willing to follow through 100% on your, on your faith, this is, where you're, this is where you're like, I'm asking the universe for this, but I'm actually not quite ready for it. Yeah, and we... we we all do we all do these things and it's, it's and this is why then people say things like affirmations don't work and the reason they don't work is because what you're saying is in direct conflict with your subconscious and then this is where it gets tricky right because consciously we think i want a million dollars i want a great relationship i want a great career i want to be famous or whatever it is that we want you know and internally, our subconscious is saying something completely else. Subconscious no, is no, saying, no, that sounds like a no, lot no, 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 yeah, yeah, no, no, stay broke, stay small, don't let anyone know who you are, like, you're not good enough for that, you're like all this whole thing, so that's where it really becomes this internal dialogue, and the other thing, too, that I've come to understand, too, um, is there's always a timing piece with everything, too, and sometimes we are not meant to have certain things at a certain time, and again, there's a journey or a process to get there. I know some things have taken much longer than I thought I would have liked. But again, that's coming from our, yeah. our thinking and our conditioning from living in this, I call it like Mick, Mick blessings, you know, like we yeah. want, like we think that I'm we say constantly something. shaming myself for being too slow. And then I think about all the things it's like, Oh, I haven't really done anything in the past few years. And it's like, well, you went to Mexico a few times. You went to Las Vegas. You had took road trips to Utah and LA. You just got yourself certified as a coach. You did a few things over the past and, few years. And I, this is a perfect lead into what I want to talk about next. And you are the mother to two wonderful, now grown-up boys, pretty much. But one of them, um, Quinn, is very is a very special young man. And I would love, and that in itself is, and see, so this is an example of how, like, you're doing this incredible job every day, being a mother to a special needs child who's also, I mean, he's very special. Can you tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about him? Because he's just wonderful. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, let's just talk a little bit for a minute just about the word mom, because 
it's such a fucking underrated title, right? Like, I mean, we all know how important the job is, but do we really? Like, we shame people who aren't good moms, but any mother who managed to grow two cells into a full baby and get them out of their body is a good mom. You got here, (laughs) right? Like, let's just give them credit for getting you here. That is a miracle. And uh, I think that we should be paid for parenting, for getting pregnant, for giving birth, for parenting, right? Um, like if you, for people who, who don't, can't actually give birth, but still do all the mom work and the dad work, I think we deserve to be paid for that. That's literally tomorrow's workforce. That's tomorrow's labor, you know, like we should be getting credit for this stuff. Instead, we get shit on <laughs> you know what they, you, that is not too far off I work with a um, a Mexican medicine woman and she's amazing and I remember once we were talking about something I was there and she said to me the mother is the most shit upon for, like figure on the entire planet everybody projects onto the mother everybody dumps on the mother and this is also on a wider scale this is what we're doing to our planet who is a mother mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. a mother earth look at what humans do from the earth they just take and they take and like are literally mm-hmm. you know raping and pillaging the earth for what for you know and very only it's people like us who are respecting the earth and giving love back to the earth and you know hopefully more and more people are, are becoming conscious of this but yeah absolutely and this is one of the reasons why I sort of am not, this is like a bigger conversation, but I've never really been down with feminism, to be honest. Like something about feminism has always rubbed me the wrong way, even though I'm totally pro, I'm pro everybody. I'm pro women, I'm pro everything. Like I'm pro all humans being equal and and being, you know, treated fairly. But something about feminism really didn't, this never quite sat right with me. And now I'm seeing why there's a, there's a piece in there around, there's a white privilege. There's a piece in there around white women hijacking feminism. And the other piece I've always said, Feminism fucked us because now we have to do everything. We Now we have to raise the children, keep the house, have a career, make money, and do all of those things. It's like it, our workload increased by tenfold, right? That's a lie. We don't have to do all of those we things. We don't have to. But, well, most of us do. A lot. We don't have to, but that's the situation that many women find themselves in. Yep. And being the provider as well for their husbands is more. More women are now becoming the main... Um, financial provider in the household and then we've lost this importance of like you said just honoring the mother and honoring our our, yeah honoring the mother and honoring our role as a mother which should be the most important role there is as far as I'm concerned if you can raise a child in a way that they go out into the world and become a decent human being and does good things like that is what is it better than that really like nothing well but even if you can't is it all your fault no it's not (laughs) like you're fighting against this whole fucked up society so it's not your fault if your kid turns out shitty <laughs> and sometimes it is but not your fault but sometimes yes. there's a role that people yes. play in that absolutely. but yeah absolutely and we all do and we all traumatize our kids and I fucked up my kids for sure but also I've done a great job with my kids and you know better than many and from the outside I don't think it always looks like that to people but if you actually listen to the conversations that my kids and I have it's pretty obvious I think I'm sure you have some very interesting conversations with your kids, but yeah, tell, tell, tell everyone a little bit about, about Quinn. Cause he's just so awesome. 
Okay, well, Quinn has tuberous sclerosis, which we discovered uh, like the day after he was born because he had a heart murmur um, that got stronger instead of going away. Um, so they did, they looked at his heart and they said they were looking for, they thought it would be a hole, but they said the good news and bad news, good news, there's no hole, bad news, there's tumors. Um, and they're called cardiac rhabdomyomas, and they're a, uh, a symptom often of tuberous sclerosis, which they don't do genetic testing for mostly here in Canada. Uh, they just look for three or more symptoms of it, and then you get a diagnosis. So he has uh, tuberous sclerosis is uh, a genetic condition where one of his tumor inhibiting genes doesn't work. So he's just sort of grows extra cells wherever, and they can be harmless or they can be harmful. So he has some calcifications in his brain. Brain, different tumors in his brain. Um, they have caused fluid buildup in the past, but he he is like a miracle because he doesn't, he, he never complains. He didn't have headaches. He wasn't complaining about anything even when he had fluid buildup in his brain. Um, but this is one of these miracles actually that I was mentioning before when we were say, talking about the many miracles of Quinn. Um, he actually had gone in for a heart scan and I wanted to get him on uh, a medication that in Canada they don't like to hand out because it's very expensive and it is like a cancer, certain kinds of cancer can have it and it also is used for um, transplant, transplant patients because it's an immunosuppressant as well. Um, but it was very expensive so they don't want to give it to kids like Quinn unless they have these brain tumors that are a certain size and growing fast enough or whatever. So he went in for a heart scan and I was like, can we do his brain too? Just mother's intuition. And they found out that he had fluid building up there. And so that was the stimulus to get him on this um, expensive medication that he is now on. And now uh, those, those tumors did shrink the fluid went away. Um, so I have used magic also in the, in the medical system with another, so his heart is also affected and he, um, was on his way to getting heart surgery because his aortic root is now, it, uh, expands like the, the walls of his, uh, aortic root don't, uh, they're not as elastic as they should be. So once they stretch out to a certain size, they just replace it. Um, and so I had asked one of my witches groups that I was in to do some magic with me, just like everybody could do. And I was hoping for a good result on a MRI that we were having or a CT scan. I can't remember what it was, but anyways, I didn't get the good results that I was looking for, but we did end up on a new medication. And like a year later, I found out that that medication actually was preventing him and so far six other people from having surgery, the, the expansion in that had stopped. So it was like, oh, one of those examples where you sometimes get delayed results and better than you could have expected, actually. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I, I so believe in that. And you know, what we we're just briefly talking about before we started here was just like this, one of my favorite stories of last year, like my miracle stories was Quinn actually went missing for like more than 24 hours, which was... <laughs> 
Yeah, which Almost was 24. I think yeah. it was 23 or something. Well, for all intents and purposes, he, your, your, your son who never leaves your side, basically, who is always close by you, uh, disappears. And he's not, you know, he's never been on his own, never done anything on his own, never. And he disappeared for 23 hours. And there was just like this outpouring of love and support from so many people. And I don't know how many people were out looking for him and praying for it him. It felt like the whole city. And like, yeah, every ex-friend that I have ever had was out looking for him as well as every friend that I currently have yeah. plus strangers and yeah yeah the day Quinn became famous and when he came home he called it the best vacation ever <laughs> the best vacation ever that always gave, that almost gave his mother a heart attack yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and he disappeared like as it was getting dark right he walked out of our backyard he had been taking himself just on a walk around the block right and so then I tried to give him a little bit of independence and he would like to go for like a little walk. And so he was, had been taking just a little walk around the block by himself. And so I was sitting there waiting for him in the backyard. And then, you know, it's like he would sort of sit down on the other side of the block every once in a while and scare me. So I'd, you know, go looking to see if he's sitting there. He's not sitting there. I go think, looking for every other place where I think he could be sitting. He's not sitting there. <laughs> So then it's getting dark and I realize I have no idea, you know, he's gone. And he slept on concrete and had, uh, he said his name was Sonic, a homeless guy that uh, fed him chips and allowed him to sleep uh, on the concrete next to him. Um, and I'd love to find this guy. Because he was, yeah, Quinn was talking about him. And even just like yesterday or the other day, no, he wasn't here yesterday, a couple of days ago when we were driving somewhere, he's like, I walked here, mom. Like he tells me whenever we're in a place where he knows he walked by in, the, in those 23 hours, him and his stuffy. So people would ask him, oh, are you with somebody? He's like, yeah, I'm with Plankton. His stuffy. Because he's always, yeah. Quinn's always got a stuffy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and they're like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Are you with someone? Yeah, I'm with Plankton or whatever. And so he's, you know, he's so confident and that I'm sure that many people asked what was going on and he was just like, yeah, this, it's cool. I'm fine. Instead of asking for help, even though there are things he said that indicated he was a little bit scared. Sometimes he kind of likes being scared sometimes. Right. <laughs> right. But this is, this goes back into like what we were talking about, how you were saying like, Quinn has taught you so much about yeah. accepting your own shadow because so Quinn is like, uh, among other things, like, like obsessed with Star Wars and Darth Vader. Like every time I think about Quinn, that's what I think about is like Darth Vader yeah. and his Michael Jackson dance. Of he has always had an affinity for the villains and the bad guys. And that was my pre intro to shadow work was like, huh, look at that. You can like the dark side. And even emotionally he was like that he I'd be trying to make him feel better and he'd be like no not yet I don't need a hug yet and he'd sit there he wanted to sit there and watch himself crying in the mirror he would just like you know he was gonna fully go through those emotions and that was like huh that just intro to me like huh, look at that you could just fully feel your feelings and I think that you know part of what he liked about those villains is that they got to be angry they're allowed, villains are allowed to be angry and get to cause big, dramatic, angry 
messes, you know, and good guys always had to behave and be nice and kind and do the right thing. So I think that's because he doesn't really, he's not, he doesn't think of the villains as trying to dominate the world. You know, he's not thinking about their evil plans. They're always kind of like nice guys in his eyes, except that if somebody crosses him, then they're going to like explode or whatever. (laughs) They'll have their head chopped off with the lightsaber or feel the force. Right. And it's the same thing when he goes, it's like, he'll talk about being a cop, but for him, it's like, he's just going to arrest everybody who annoys him. You know, it's not about justice. It's about having the power to put people you don't like in jail. That's so funny. Well, that's everybody's kid. That's every kid's favorite job is like put, put, put people in jail. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I've learned a lot about that from being a parent too. And just letting, you know, my son have his own process around things when he needs to, you know, and not always trying to like, Oh, like make him feel better. Like I, I definitely let him have his expression before, you know, I do always get to comforting him or eventually, yeah. but I also allow him to have his process. I, I remember when he was um, quite young, I took him for a, like a healing treatment somewhere and I was speaking to this woman there and she was saying that when she was a kid her mom would just let all of them all her and her siblings like have tantrums freak out and because of that she's so emotionally open and whenever she works with therapists they're like wow it's so amazing that your mom let you do that because now she's just very open she didn't really learn how to always repress things so I think you know of course we don't want to stay in that place of being so angry or upset or whatever but we have to honor that moment or that process of allowing it to be there because it's there for a reason. We're not supposed to just be happy about everything and react to like, it's like, you know, if we see an atrocity happening, not just go, Oh, that's too bad. Like that's actually part of the whole, which is what we'll get into now, which is this, that's part of this whole inner psychopath thing and how we all, cause you and I've talked about this a lot. Like the inner psychopath mm-hmm. is like how we have all learned to just like dismiss and turn a blind eye to a lot of the horrible things that happen. And it's a very you know I kind of think of like British people in some way like oh no that's that's horrible that's too bad and then okay carry on then you know it's like that kind of thing here's tea yeah um and I mean let's give some credit to this inner psychopath right like we have to be able to turn off or else we're going to spend our whole life suffering other people's pain um and and that's where that's where the healing happens is when you give that inner psychopath some credit and see where this comes from. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's very much a self, it's a self-protective thing in a lot of ways too, because we can't just walk around the world in this state of overwhelm. I definitely have before when I didn't know how to manage my energy, knowing I was like, before I knew that I was an empath and I felt things so strongly, I was a lot of my um, discomfort and my unhappiness was because of things I had no control over. And I didn't know how to manage those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I still have days like that when it's like, okay, I feel, I feel shitty for no reason and none of my tools are working. Okay. I'm going to say that this is not my stuff today and I'm just going to feel it. And the moment I'm like, okay, then it's my job to feel this for everybody today. And there's different techniques that you can use for that. Um, Tonglen is a favorite where you just decide you're going to feel it for everybody, whatever it is, anxiety or sadness or grief and you imagine yourself taking in all this dark black smoke and you have this 
hard wall around your heart that this dark acid smoke starts to dissolve and then the light from your heart starts shining through that casing that gets dissolved by all of this sadness or grief or whatever it is that you're feeling for everybody and then it gets so it's another transmutation exercise right where you can take in all of that sadness and then send back the use it to break down your heart walls the the defense that you've put up around it and let your light shine out back to all those people that you're feeling that for mm, and, i love uh, that where does tonglen come from again what tradition is that is it buddhist i think so tonglen. yeah i think so I, I've, yeah i'm not like super familiar with it but that's that's absolutely beautiful that's lovely yeah t-o-n-g-l-e-n i think is how you spell huh. it i've definitely heard of it before but i was just having i think you're right i think it's a, a buddhist thing mm-hmm yeah, and sometimes I mean my own. What I've what what's really helped me in the past couple of years is actually understanding that in the process of healing, as things are coming up to be released, they show up to be felt. So I'll be having a couple of really crappy days where I feel terrible and awful, and I like my mind wants to go, "Oh no, you've gone back into the hole and it's all over." And then I just kind of breathe through it and sit with it and allow it to be. And then usually what passes on the other side of that is a lightness and, and release from that. So actually, I think it's important for people to understand that the healing of the, the healing process in itself can be messy. It can be icky. It can be yucky. You're going to have days where you feel like shit and you just have to kind of go through yeah. it and, and not. And that, Resisting again, it. Mm-hmm. resisting it will extend it and make it feel worse absolutely and that's ex- exactly where I always find the release from my depressive behaviors I don't want to say that I'm really depressed but I certainly exhibit depressive behaviors uh, often enough and on those days when I start to stick into that again now it's like okay, I'm just going to make myself cozy in this then and I'll turn on some, you know, fairy lights and whatever and put something in the diffuser and just that as soon as I feel like, oh, well, okay, fine, I'll just get cozy being depressed, then it starts to change, right? Which is a surrender. That's like a surrender to it almost. Yeah. Because whatever whatever you resist persists. I used to do that too when I was going through my, you know, dealing with my sort of depressive tendencies and that. And again, they still come up from time to time, but nothing like Mm -hmm. they did. They would take over my whole life and it was, Mm -hmm. it became this mental thing, like I mentioned too, you know, it's like they just keep, um, it it just kept going and going. And then when I learned to surrender into it and accept it, then everything sort of started to shift. And I believe that it's like a, we're meant to feel the full spectrum of emotions. We're not just meant to be happy all the time or blissful or, you know, there's all of these things that are part of the human experience. And when you're feeling like that and you can't do anything, um, like that's the other big thing is the whole productivity fallacy. Like <laughs> you are allowed to not do anything at all. You don't have to do a goddamn thing ever. I mean, there's obviously consequences for that. I'm not saying that that nothing happens if you don't do anything and you'll just be fine, but technically speaking, you don't have to do anything. So everything you are doing is a choice and the 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 sum total of the choices you make is your life and that's the only way that productivity matters. And so if you spend a day feeling sad doing nothing, that's fine. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. I love a lot of the um, 
decolonial healing. Um, I follow some of this and that, that's, that's, that's big, like letting yourself nap, letting yourself rest, like so, so many, and again, cause we've been, you know, we've glorified productivity and also like, um, you know, our society praises results. We, pr- we, we praise <laughs> when people achieve things, but what about like, I look forward to a time when we celebrate and praise things like, Hey, I didn't get angry today. Like I could have like really like called people a bunch of terrible names. And, and again, this is different because there's like feeling your anger and then there's letting your anger out in a destructive way where you cause harm to people and life and others. Right. right? Which is yeah, what exactly. happens. So how about celebrating these things? You know what? Like I overcame a, a pattern and myself today that it's been there for, these are the victories as far as I'm concerned. It's not necessarily, and of course, yes, we can do incredible things in the world and I'm not negating that. And of course we can still do those things if and when and we want to. And how much do they really matter in the span of, of the right. universe either? So like, let's not all try to be leaving some big legacy because even your big legacy is like a stardust, a speck in t- like a blink of the, of God's eye or whatever, you know what I mean? So you let the, take the pressure off. There's, there's still going to be those people who, you know, start countries and, uh, and wars and whatever, you know, do amazing things, but like, we don't have to all try to be that guy. Um, and I think it's just as important to change the world quietly from within, like how many people have stirred revolutions without really saying a word out loud, you know, you know how powerful the inner experience is and how those inner experiences can show themselves to you in the outward life without, you know, like, have you, haven't you ever done a med- meditation where somebody calls you afterwards and is like, Oh, I just had the weirdest thing. And you just know that you affected it with your, with oh, your energy. I do. I, I work with a lot of um, ritual and magic and of course, like, and it's, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've been in an interesting place around it because I've sort of been through this phase of having a lot of different spiritual influences, questioning <laughs> all of them and what were they meant to do and where, like, and then I just came back to this place of like, everything is energy. And when you do a ritual mm-hmm. or you create magic, whatever you want to call it, it's just putting your intention and effort using some kind of tool and your mm-hmm. own power projected into that to create a a result. I mean, I do things constantly, symbolic things, clearing, you know, it happens all the time. And I, and I, like you, I've seen the results take place and the key, which of course, which is the basic premise of magic is like, do what you will and don't harm anybody. So as long as what you're doing is causing blessing, you know, is, is helping or being supportive and not harming anyone directly or intentionally, you're good. It's just a, it's just a way of focusing your energy to, to make something happen. And it, and it works. Exactly. Exactly. Your attention is your most important asset and where you focus it and then the tools that you use and, you know, uh, tools are made more powerful when more people use them. And I think that's what people like about traditional tools and traditional rituals. But really, your most powerful tool is the one that you feel the most connected to. You'll know it. You'll feel it when you found the one that's that's doing it. And then afterwards, someone will call you up and say, Oh, I had this really weird thing. And I was just thinking about you or whatever. And you'll be like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it's just energy in motion, right? Which is funny. Cause that's what people say about emotions. That's all they are is energy in motion. And we can shift the event. We can shift events and we can help shift people. And again, the key is just like, don't do it for any malintention, but I do it all the time. I have little tricks when I'm having difficulties with people, there's things I do. And then all of a sudden, 
sudden their tone totally shifts or, you know, it'll be like people like, oh, just wait a second. Like, let me, let me do a few things here. And then all of a sudden the person or the situation, something shifts or changes. So prayer can do that, you know, and, and, and witchcraft and Wicca has really been demonized by the church, especially. And if you look at people pre the colonization, Christianity, you know, um, the crusades and all this kind of stuff, like most people practiced around the world, some type of an earth-based religion where they believed in the earth and they connected to the earth and they had different, you know, either the one God or a deity or nature and all of these things. We find this theme, but that, that became demonized and like, it doesn't have to yeah. be. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous to say that it's anything different than drinking Christ's blood and eating his flesh, right? Like, it's, it's symbolic. It's, That's all original. Is. It's, and that's just a ritual again and it, it's no judgment or on it it's good or bad or right and wrong it's just another form of a ritual right it's just right. the same thing like, praying to praying to that god or any other god it's not that different they're all part of the same thing and they're you know all. it's funny to me when that it's like oh that god says you shouldn't uh, idolize any other gods well isn't that admitting that there are other gods <laughs> I know it's a whole, that's a whole interesting, uh, that's a, so much there, so much healing to be done around, you know, religion and spirituality and, and on, on all of that. So um, can you please, um, it's been so wonderful to have this conversation with you. Can you please tell everyone where can they find you if they want to learn more about your offerings and everything that you do? Cause it's super interesting. <laughs> Uh, all right. I have a website that is subtlemagic.online. That's S-U-B-T-L-E, subtle magic, uh, M-A-G-I-C, no K on there, <laughs> dot online. And um, yeah, that's my website, which I am constantly tweaking right now. So you can check back often to see what is new in the shop and changing and you can find me on Facebook under my name, Tara Plass, or Subtle Magic Beauty and Wellness has a page. I also have a group on there called Trash Magic Palace that is a private group. I host weekly Zoom meetings where we do some like dance, body movement, whatever, and uh, some trash talk. <laughs> um, that's Wednesdays at noon. So yeah, if you join that um, Facebook group, you can have access to those. And Instagram, subtle underscore magic is my Instagram. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us here today and uh, looking forward to hearing more of your, I like, I like the way you think. <laughs> you have some beautiful insight into things. So thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, okay. It's been great talking to you. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks so much. Peace, everyone. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I wish